the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko concludes a message we started here yesterday on the program entitled The Patience of the Saints. Now, we hope that you enjoy this program. Remember, you can always go to reachingyourheart.com on the Internet and listen to the entire message without interruption. That's reachingyourheart.com. And the name of the broadcast, again, is entitled The Patience of the Saints. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371. Feel free to call us at that telephone number with any questions that you have. Let's get underway with the conclusion to this broadcast. And here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. And so patient endurance means being committed to Christ and not being committed to personality. The evil in verse 2 is different than the evil we find. The evil in the church must be opposed. And the evil in verse 2 is found in the church at the highest level of the church in the context of Revelation 2.2. 2. The early church opposed corruption when it was manifest in the clergy. The third usage of hupomone is found in Revelation 2.3 describes patience that is strong in the power of the name of Jesus. John says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Now, two ideas are found in verse 3. First, the faithful are patient on account of Jesus' name. Secondly, the patient do not grow weary. Have you ever said, well, I've been a Christian, I've been struggling, I'm just tired at this. I just feel like giving up. Well, patient endurance does not say that. Patient endurance says, you know, I may be tired, but I'm not weary. I may have worked hard, but I'm committed. I may have had trials, but I'm for the outcome. I set my eye for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. And that's the idea here. 1 John 14, 14, Jesus makes this promise. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what does that promise say? If you ask what? Anything in my name, I will do it. Patience comes only when you ask for it in Jesus' name. If you ask for patience, you'll get it. Patience comes only when you claim it by faith in the name of the one who is patient with you. Patience comes when Jesus comes into your heart and not one minute sooner does patience come to you. And when Christ is alive within your heart, you will endure difficulties in Jesus' name with patience. One of the greatest evidence of patience is a commitment to the people of God. I can't underestimate that. Is that those people who have served in our Sabbath school here over the years, I'm talking about it in some of those difficult circumstances you can imagine, setting up, making it happen without any kind of accolades. These dear folk have been patient to this church. The finance team here. And the list is long. You have been called into the family of God. There is a place of ministry for you. Maybe it's on the prayer team. 
Maybe it's in the setup crew. Maybe it's a deacon or an elder. But there is no place for idleness in the church. A believer that is idle is a believer who will not be patient. In fact, I can gauge in my own experience the people who feel like the church is fragile are the people who don't work in the church. Did you hear me? The people who feel like the church is fragile are those who don't work in the church. In the end, they're going to fall away. You can gauge it by faithlessness, fragility, and these kind of things. Friends, we're living at the end of time. This congregation has a mission and a purpose. God is our leader. He's directing the course of events. Every person here must be engaged in this transition. The future will lead us to glory. The future will bring many more souls to Christ if we are obedient. And my obedience is to surrender to His and yours as well. And friend, I know this, that God didn't coalesce the kind of talent that we see here in this church, the kind of commitment we see in this church to fail in a transition because of fear. God didn't do that. When Reaching Hearts started, everyone said it should fail. You remember that? Am I right or wrong? This is the second test of Reaching Hearts. Will it be about the cause of God, the truth of God, collaborating on a broader field of labor? Or will it just be about Pastor Mike? Did you hear me? It can't be just about Pastor Mike. For most of you, that's not the case. I know that. But I'm speaking to those few who think it is. Friends, it's not. The patient endurance of the saints is about Jesus. This church will grow. This church will expand. This church will have a future because of Jesus. In our obedience and submission to Him in faith, we will find our very souls at the end of time and not without it at all. The fourth usage of hupomane is found in Revelation 2.19. It describes patience that results in a productive life that bears greater fruit at the end than at the beginning. Jesus says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter work exceeds the first. And here is patience with a plan. Patience that produces. Patience that takes advantage of the tarrying time and gets busy for God. Four works are singled out in order. First, love, then faith and service, and finally, patient endurance. Jesus says the latter works exceed the former works. In the context, the first work is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Paul says, but now faith, hope, love, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So how is patient endurance greater than love? That's really the question we have to ask. There's only one thing better than love in the beginning of our relationship with God. There's only one thing better than that kind of love. It's the love at the end of the struggle of life. It's love that lasts forever. It's love that endures into eternity. It's love that sticks with it and gets stuck there with the people of God, that gets Velcroed to the cause of God and the purpose of God on earth. Love that doesn't give up, but love that remains and love that is love forever, covenant love. We call that patient endurance. That's why it's greater. That's why the latter works are greater than the former works. 
The fifth usage of hupomone is found in Revelation 3.10. It describes a patience that protects the believers in times of trial. Because you have kept my word, the Bible says, my word of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial which is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell upon the earth. The word translated word in Revelation 3.10 can be translated command. Now let's just insert it here. Because you have kept my command of patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial which is coming on the whole world. Patient endurance is not an option for the Christian. It is Christ's command. To be obedient means to be patient and to endure. If you keep the command of Jesus, Jesus will keep you in the patience of the saints. If you stay with Christ and His people, glued to His truth, Christ will stay with you to the end. It's that simple and that profound. I mean, we're not saved as lone superstars spiritually. We are saved glued to the people of God, glued to the cause of God on earth. And when we separate from that to get our way or to do this or that, we sever from the benefits of Christ's atonement. The sixth usage of hupomone is found in Revelation 13.10. describes patience that overcomes persecution with faith. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone slays with a sword, with a sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the patient endurance and faith of the saints. Sixth usage, Revelation 13.10. Now this just happens to be an echo of a verse in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 11, verse 33. And those among the people who are wise shall make many understand. Though they shall fall by sword, by flame, by captivity and plunder for days. And when they fall... They will receive a little help. Now, how many of you like to have a lot of help when you fall? Come on, you like to have a lot of help? Now, why would God give you a little help? Huh. Well, ask yourself the question. Because He wants you to learn patience. If He gives you all the help you need right now, you won't have to grow and ask for more in the journey to know Him, to get to the end of road. So He gave them a little help, which means they had trials and persecutions but he says, and many shall join themselves to them with flattery. I sure hope in the future that whoever serves as leaders in this church, that they will not get there by flattery. Someone who is not willing to serve with humility, to take the lowest place without having a fanfare and a trumpet blow, does not need to be a leader in the future of this church. Many shall join themselves to them with flattery. And some of those who are wise shall fall to refine, to cleanse them, to make them white until the time of the end, for as yet for the time of point. I mean, narcissism very often finds its place in the church. The person who likes to be liked too much does not need to be a leader in the church. In fact, many years ago when I was struggling as a pastor, the Lord revealed to me that I was on the pathway of a serious character flaw that if left unchecked would have destroyed me. And so I endured great difficulties from the hand of God because of this character flaw. I now see it in retrospective view. And that was, I like to be liked. Anyone here like to be liked? Would you stay in the church if you're not liked? Because of Jesus. Would you fight for the cause of God if you're a pariah? And God made me all of those things so I'd have to make the right decisions in the course of my life. Friend, it's not about what people think of you. 
It's about what Jesus has done for you. It's about who he is in the plan of God for you. And so you're not the center of the universe. Jesus is the center of the universe. And we live and we serve for his holy end. Not unto ourselves do we serve if we are in Jesus. So why does God allow troubles and trials to come in the Christian life? Why does God allow some times to give us a little help when we ask for a lot of help? Why does God allow us to experience trials when we really want relief in life? The fire of life makes us white, clean, and right with God for life and for the end of life. We need the fire in life to have the patience of the saints for the end of time. Key question, when was the last time you thanked God for the fire in your life that brings patience? When was the last time you got on your knees and said, thank you, God, for stirring my ship, for mixing things up in my plan that I might trust you instead of rely on my own foresight? God allows trials to come so that we might know God more deeply. The seventh usage of hupomone for patience is found in Revelation 14, 12. It describes patient people who have received the obedience and faith of Jesus as a gift in the gospel. It is the exclusive right of the seventh usage of the word patience to be given to the third angel's message. God raised up the Seventh-day Adventist church to proclaim the third angel's message. This movement will enter end-time history, will enter end-time events, It's such a level that everything that can be shaken will be shaken out of it. And only those who possess the patience of the saints, who build upon the historical patience of the Christian church from apostolic times up to the great disappointment of 1844, down to the end of time, will be saved. The seventh usage of hupomane is utilized only for the third angel's message. Here is a call for the patient endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. In the preceding verses, the Bible warns every believer at the end of time to shun the mark of the beast. In the struggle of the mark of the beast, obedience to God and his commandments and faith in Jesus will be the twin issue at the end. This foolishness that has found its way into some ranks of our church that this issue will not happen that there will be no mark of the beast test at the end of time. The folks who believe that do not believe in the testimony of Jesus in the Bible. They have abandoned the word of God. Friend, what we have been told in Scripture will happen, and it's all about two simple issues, faith in Jesus Christ and obedience to his law, and they're really the same thing in the context of the Revelation. The key word in Revelation 14, 12 is keep. This word is used in Acts 25.4 to describe someone who is guarded under lock and key in a prison. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. That word is the word for patience. The final generation will have the kind of patience that guards the law of God and so they will be kept by God. The final generation will have the kind of patience that guards their faith in Jesus and his word and so they will be kept by God. And because they guard the things of God, God will guard them in the trials of the end. That time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge, who guards your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, since never was a nation to that time. And at that time, everyone shall be delivered, whose name shall be found written in the book. Christ will guard his people at the end. Friend, the key to perfect patience is found at the end of Revelation 14, 12. 
The Bible says they keep the faith of Jesus. Jesus' faith is the only faith that keeps anyone. When a person has Jesus, really has Jesus, when a person knows that the hero in the Christian church is Jesus, that person has the faith of Jesus. And the faith of Jesus is patient with Jesus. It's patient with the outcome of their lives. It endures trials and persecutions. And Christ's faith has never failed anyone ever. In Revelation 14, 14, the struggle for patience in the mark of the beast will end with the return of Jesus Christ to reap the harvest of everyone who has the patience of the saints. Then I looked, and lo, a white cloud, and seated on the white cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat upon the cloud. Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. When John F. Kennedy joined the Navy, he wanted to make a difference for his country. He signed up to be trained as a commander for a motor torpedo boat. On April 23, 1943, he took command of PT-109 in the Solomon Islands. As a commander of PT-109, he was ordered to conduct night raids against the Japanese and to gather intelligence if he could. One night in August of 1943, PT-109 was out on a night raid when suddenly the ship was struck by a Japanese destroyer traveling at a speed of 40 knots. PT-109 was cut in two in 10 seconds. There was an explosion of fuel as the boat burst into flames. John F. Kennedy was thrown to the cockpit where he landed on his back. He would later receive the Purple Heart for his injury to his back. Two men died from the impact and 11 others, including Kennedy, survived. The wake of the Japanese destroyer put out the fire on the piece of wreckage that Kennedy and a few other survivors were clinging to, but it was a shallow hope in a deep sea. With an injured back, Kennedy cared more about his crew than himself. How could you get out of a mess like that? He called out to the others in the water in the middle of the Black Sea. Six men responded. They were alive and two were wounded. With an injured back, John F. Kennedy took three hours to drag the two injured men in the water to the piece of the boat that was barely floating. As the remains of the boat began to list and sink, Kennedy decided to swim to a small island to the southeast. The island was three miles away. He had given his life jacket to a wounded man. In the cold water, without a life jacket, he had towed the man with the strap in his teeth for five hours to Plum Pudding Island. When they got on the island, they discovered that Plum Pudding Island didn't have a morsel of food or an ounce of fresh water on it, nor even a plum. It was plum empty. Kenny decided to swim back to the route where the ships passed in the night, hoping to spot another ship. In shark-infested waters, now I've been in the South Pacific, I've scuba dived in the Marshall Islands. These waters are shark-infested. There have been times where sharks have taken nips at my fins. I mean, you don't want to be out there unless you know what you're doing. In shark-infested waters, he braved the night to try and spot a ship. There was no ship to be spotted. They tried again, no success again. Everyone felt like giving up, but John F. Kennedy, he didn't give up. Kennedy had spotted a slightly larger island with coconuts on it. Kennedy made the decision to swim for that island. Now, coconuts have water inside of them. You can drink and you can eat a coconut. His men were tired, humiliated, burned, and just plain weary. 
with an injured back, an injury that would follow him all his days until his assassination, Kennedy led the way, pulling the same injured man with his teeth 1.2 miles to Olasana Island, swimming in the ocean. By this time, the men had figured out that their leader was an ordinary leader. He had a patient endurance that motivated his people to patiently endure. Kennedy was not willing that one of his men should be lost on those islands. If they stuck with Kennedy, he was bound and determined to find a way to get them home again. On the fourth day, John F. Kennedy made it to Nauru Island, where he found several natives with dugout canoes. He cut a message on a coconut that read, Eleven alive, natives know position in reef Nauru Island, Kennedy. He handed the coconut to one of the natives, and he said, Rendova, Rendova. There was a PT boat base on the island of Rendova. Kennedy didn't have long to wait. The next day, the natives returned with food and supplies. The natives carried a message from a naval commander that told Kennedy to go ahead of his men to safety. He didn't want to leave them, but he promised them a boat would return for them. Kennedy was warmly greeted by the crew of PT-157, but Kennedy did not forget about his men. On August 8, PT-157 returned to the island of Nauru and found the men very much alive. Kenny's courage had become their courage. His faith had become their faith. His patient endurance had become their patient endurance. Friend, Christ went to that cross with patient endurance. Our leader, Jesus Christ, dragged us to safety at the cross of Christ. Our leader, Jesus Christ, pulled us through the cross and the tomb into resurrection morning. And our leader, Jesus Christ, will come again. One day Jesus is coming back for everyone who puts his or her trust in him. Christ is coming back to take us home. Christ is coming back at the end of time. And we are living at the end of time. If you're planning on a secure retirement plan, it is insecure. If you're planning for your future based on the gimmicks that you've put together or that we have, they are not secure for any of us. Our future is Jesus. At the end of time when the world is nothing but a desert island, ready to sink into a foamy sea, when the people of God have no place left to go but up into glory or down into death, they have hooked their future to Jesus, the leader of the Christian church. Friend, Christ will return on a cloud. The only ground left to go to will be heaven's ground. A cloud will be the place to stand, to go up, not down. And Christ will return on a cloud that takes us to a peaceful heaven. As soon as the last word of patience is given, Revelation 14, 12, Christ appears on a cloud. And in that day, the scripture will be fulfilled and the entire world will hear the voice of God as he pronounces the everlasting covenant to those who have been true to Jesus. As they see in rapid succession celestial events, as they see the darkness of the final hour, the stars that will finally escape the sky and the vacuum of the void that will open up a wormhole for Christ to come through a corridor of space and time. And when the earth itself is over and there is nothing left for it to be and all our hopes and dreams that are here must perish in this final hour, friend, it is not the end. It is only the beginning for those who love the Lord Jesus. And the voice of God will break through the darkness of that hour. And God will look down on those who have patiently endured. 
He'll look down on those who have put their faith in the Word of God over preachers and teachers. He'll look down at those who have been committed to the church at all costs to their life. And He will say, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I'm grateful today that Jesus was faithful. And I'm grateful, Father, that the one who established the Christian church is the one who keeps it. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. And I know others are here as well. And Father, we've not only been given the privilege of being a part of your universal family, but at the end of time, you've raised up a prophetic remnant within your greater body of believers who keep the commandments of God and of the faith of Jesus. Father, how many voices out there are saying, you know, just forget about that moral law. I'm going to believe in the gospel. Those are lost souls, Father. They're in the Christian church, but they have a theology that is lost from the everlasting covenant that brought Jesus to that cross. Father, may we never look down on them, but love them. Thank you for raising up this movement to proclaim that all of God's law is still there. But more profoundly, that Jesus died because we've broken it. And that we will have a future in glory where everyone will keep it by the power of the Holy Spirit and the cross that won us back to God. Father, I pray in this place that your blessing will be with your people. That you'll bless me and you'll bless the future of your people, Lord. And I am grateful that patient endurance is the condition to receiving the prize. May everyone here have it, exercise it, and seize it. Thank you for Jesus, who is worthy of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there you have it, the conclusion to a message entitled, The Patience of the Saints. Now, if you'd like to listen to this message again, it's available for you online at reachingyourheart.com. You can find the entire message there without interruption and download a copy if you would like to your personal library in MP3 format or listen live right there on the web. That's the patience of the saints. If you can help this ministry with a financial contribution, please remember to do so. We certainly use those and they can help us to continue to bring you these messages here on this station. You can go to reachingyourheart.com to find out information on how you can do that. For Pastor Mike and everyone here, please also know that we pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.